Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. It is very late on Tuesday, the 21st of April. Simon Head and Chamatkar Sandu. We're back in the swing of things now. Weekly shows from here on in. We had our first show back after about three years away last week. Now we're back in the groove and uh, we've actually got some uh, up-to-date newsy things to talk about, Sandu. We absolutely do, Simon. Uh, first of all, um, it's been another week of daily, you know, linking up with DJ Pillow and, and MC Duvet at the uh, the local resident, uh, the couch. Um, and uh, so, uh, yeah, it's been a bit of the same old, same old, but I'm glad to, to get into the, uh, the office in the house and uh and jump on and do this pod with you again and uh yeah it's 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 a busy week simon there's no doubt about it there's lots of news uh it all kicked off last week with um our first breaking news edition of the of the of the pod where um the ufc are back in business so to speak by announcing a card on may 9th which we now know will be called UFC 249. Um, so instead of cancelling that event, it's kind of technically postponed and uh, it's just kind of moving forward to a new date. And uh, we've had a bit of a casualty, which we'll get to in a second, but let me just go down the running order of this card um, so that everyone is familiar with what's going on. Insane, Tony Ferg- insane order of fights we've got here. Yes, yeah, crazy. Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje for the interim lightweight title Henry Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz for the UFC bantamweight championship Francis Ngannou versus Jarzinho Rosenstruck Jeremy Stevens versus Calvin Qatar Donald Cerrone versus Anthony Pettis Greg Hardy versus Jorgen De Castro Alexei Olenek versus Fabrizio Vadum Carla Esparza versus Michelle Waterson, Jacare Souza versus Uriah Hall, Vincent Luque versus Nico Price, and then Charles Rosa versus Bryce Mitchell. Now, the casualty we had already since this fight card was first announced is Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spencer. They were going to fight for the UFC Featherweight Championship, and then a couple of days ago, Amanda Nunes basically pulled out of the fight just kind of simply stating that you know she doesn't have enough time to prepare and i've personally got no problem with that i'm sure we can get into um, more of that uh, in a bit but i guess just to kind of kick things off simon um your reaction to the event being announced this particular fight card and uh and yeah your, your thoughts on it all potentially going down on may 9th yeah it's from a professional point of view, this is fantastic news because finally I'm going to get some legitimate sport to write about rather than uh, scrambling around trying to uh, trying to find some interesting news lines from fighters who have no fights to uh, compete in. So that's good. Um, assuming all of the safety side of things, and that's been discussed ad infinitum, you know, we understand all of this needs to happen safely. We don't know where it's going to be yet. Uh, I think the smart money is probably Florida. Uh, given what's happening down there. We touched on that in our uh, breaking news episode last week. I think that's probably the favourite. I think long-term or medium-term, the UFC want to put shows on at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. But for that to happen, there's a few uh, a few wheels need to be greased from a governmental perspective. I think uh, there might have to be a bit of pressure from up top um, onto the governor, who I think is a bit against 
opening things up at the moment. The mayor apparently in Vegas is screaming for things to be opened up, but the governor is saying, no, we've got to keep things locked down. So there's a bit of a power struggle in Vegas right now. Once that all gets sorted, because the commission in uh, Nevada report to the governor and were hired by the governor. So once the governor gives his blessing, then I think there's the opportunity for it to be at the apex. I don't think that's going to happen in time for this. So this is most likely to be Florida. Amazing card of fight, Sandu. Absolutely insane. I mean, we can argue the, uh, you know, the uh, the matchups here. I mean, Ferguson versus Gaethje, I think the general consensus is that is probably the best available lightweight fight that we could make right now, given the restrictions that everybody has. Connor is off the table right now. He's locked down in Ireland. Khabib is off the table right now. He's locked down in Dagestan. So Ferguson and Gaethje, uh, both able and willing to get in there and fight. That is a barn burner of an interim title fight. Henry Cejudo um, seems to be doing everything he can to avoid legit informed contenders right now. Dominic Cruz is the GOAT at Bantamweight. I think he's probably the best Bantamweight champion UFC have ever had. And, uh, you know, he's been through and he's, he's faced a who's who. But he's coming in off a loss, Sandu. And the guy that Cejudo was supposed to fight in this uh, in this matchup, Jose Aldo, was also coming in off a loss. Although, granted, I thought he beat Marlon Moraes. I was in Vegas for that fight. And I firmly believe that Aldo did win that fight. So I can give Cejudo a little bit of leeway on that. Dominic Cruz really shouldn't be fighting for the belt here. It should be Peter Yan, Aljamain Sterling... Maybe even someone like Corey Sanhagen. Those guys are the people who should be up there because they're in form, they've worked their way up, and they deserve their shot. For reasons, I think Cejudo's going for legacy and for the biggest possible money fights he can get, which is, I guess is fair enough. It's a shame we don't get Amanda Nunes, Felicia Spencer, but I think, as you say, Amanda probably did the right thing by, by stepping back. Um, and Garnu Rosenstreich is insane. You know, if that goes longer than a round, I'll be very surprised. Um... Because both of those guys have got insane knockout power. Last time I said this for Francis and Garnu fight Sandu, it was when he fought Derek Lewis, and those two laid an egg, <laughs> laid an egg in the middle of the T-Mobile Arena. It was yes. it was one of the the most anticipated uh, fights on the card. Um, when was that? That was International Fight Week two years ago, um, and uh, yeah, it didn't it didn't really catch fire the way we hope. Hopefully, we don't get a repeat of that. Um, both guys love to throw down. Both of them, I think, are going to be eager to uh, pick up a win. Whoever wins this, especially if it's by knockout, has got a real a real legitimate claim for a shot at the title. Kelvin Cater-Stevens is massive. Cerrone was always going to be on this card. They could hold this in Antarctica. Cerrone will find a way to be on this card. And the other one I'm looking out for, Vicente Luque versus Nico Price is the most insane fight on this card, Sandu. All the other fights you've got, the only one that rivals it is the main event. But if you're talking... Pure, unadulterated violence. Vicente Luque versus Nico Price is your fight. And that's the second fight. Assuming that the bout order that we've got at the moment, and I'm running off MMA Junkies bout order at the moment, um, if that's the set, and that's going to be the second fight of the night. Um, we've got Bryce Mitchell, Charles Rosa kicking it off. But Luque versus Price is going to be just insanity for as long as it lasts. Amazing card. I hope it happens. Um, and uh, if it does, and this card stays intact then uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about the following Tuesday. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, a couple of notes. I mean, first of all, going back to, you you know, the Dominic Cruz-Sahudo fight, I think from a, also from the UFC, you know, from Sahudo's perspective, he wants a legacy-building fight, which Cruz definitely checks that box. But I also think that when... 
the UFC were kind of putting this card together. They were kind of thinking, right, we need to get the biggest names possible, stack this card um, so it can do really, really well on pay-per-view. And then although from a, you know, from a, a merit point of view, you've got, you know, Peter Yan and Sandhagen and Sterling all absolutely deserving of a title shot right now. They're not as big as names as Dominic Cruz. In fact, when you look at the, the lighter weight classes, Dominic Cruz is arguably one of the, the top five biggest names in the, in the history of those divisions uh, in terms of, you know, being a UFC champion, headlining pay-per-views. He's working for ESPN, so he's kind of very familiar. You know, even though he's not been active over the last three or four years, um, that's a point in itself, actually. You know, this guy's going to be coming off the longest layoff in his entire career, um, which is incredible if he pulls off the the win. I mean, if, if people don't consider Cruz the, the best bantamweight of all time, they certainly will if he beats Ahudo. That'll just put it, um, you know, set in stone. The one question I actually had for you is pertaining to the main event because there was a bit of a wrinkle to the story of the last week where Tony Ferguson made weight, Simon, on Friday. He decided He decided to make weight, which obviously was good. A bit of, bit of, bit of buzz on what would have ordinarily been a quiet day in what is already a quiet period in the sport. But uh, do you think that was a good idea to cut down, drain yourself, knowing that you're potentially going to be fighting in three weeks down the road. The short answer is, of course not. It's, it's, it's like, I know why he did it. I understand why he did it, but it's, it's bonkers. I mean, he's, he's proven a point, but why? I mean, seriously, why? Like, yeah, you were ready to fight. We get it. We know, you know, you could have shown us the scale like two days out and shown that you were 165 or whatever it was you were when you showed us the scale then. You don't need to cut the extra eight pounds and stand on the scale looking gaunt and not very well and going, yeah, there we go, champ, championship weight and all this. You don't, unless he was getting paid show money for that, and I am 99.9% sure he wasn't, um, then that was just an exercise in pointlessness. There was no need to do it. And it might come back. It might come back. I mean, you know, Tony Ferguson is a, is a, is a good size lightweight. So... Um, you know, he said in the past that um, he's, he'd be more than happy to step up and fight at 170 if uh, if the situation demanded it. So, yeah, I just I don't get it. Like, I, I get it because it's Tony Ferguson and he lives by uh, a whole different set of rules to the rest of us. But by the same token, it can't help it can't help him. I mean, an athletic commission would have to take a serious look at a fighter looking, uh, you know, making big weight cuts in quick succession. I think there's probably long enough between these fights or, or between that, that weight cut and the next one for it to not be a problem. But yeah, I mean, if I was Justin Gaethje looking at that, I'd be like, yeah, go on, you lose those pounds. Get down to 55, you know? I'd be I'd be sitting there just rubbing my hands together because Gaethje only has to do it once. And uh, I was talking with, uh, with the guys at MMA Junkie last night and uh, uh, George and Ghost from MMA Junkie Radio and we were talking about which which of the title fights. Obviously, the Nunes Spencer fight was in, in in the mix then as well. But which of the title fights had the biggest potential for a title change? And uh, I think we all agreed that, that it was this main event. When I say a title change, Tony Ferguson doesn't hold a belt, but he never lost that interim title. You know, he used to be the interim champ. He got he got TKO'd by a, a Fox TV cable. So, you know, I don't I don't really think that uh, he can claim to ever have lost that belt. You know, he, will, he is technically still the interim champ in my eyes. Um, 
And I think Gaethje uh, has a really good chance of beating Ferguson. I think they, they both have that fighting style where they're both quite happy to get hit, which is not a good fighting style to have long term. Um, but Gaethje likes to walk through people. Ferguson likes to cut people up. It's going to be an insane fight. I'm looking forward to it. And I tell you what, if anyone that was backing Gaethje heading into the original date on April 18th, I think their confidence in that pick must have skyrocketed because now, instead of fighting Tony Ferguson on two weeks' notice, he just added three whole weeks to whatever camp he can put together to prepare for this fight. The, and the fact that Tony Ferguson's cut weight, Gaethje's kind of added three more weeks, it, it makes it a much more compelling fight and a little bit more of an, on an even keel, um, which is which is interesting. The only other question I have coming out of the announcement of this card and obviously all the fights, you know, we've, we've, we've seen reports of a lot of uh, fights being verbally agreed. I think some have put pen to paper by now. But the, the question I keep seeing from the fans uh, or the comments is there's a lot of doubt whether you know, there's, there's still a lot of disbelief in the fan base whether this event will actually happen. So when you kind of take all the kind of information that we have at the moment, Simon, um, if you're a betting man, you know, what, what are the odds? What are the odds, Paddy, of this event taking place? I'd, I mean, I wouldn't say it's odds on. I'd say it's probably even money. Right now, it's an even money shot. You know, you get a bit of value back in it to happen. But I, I'm i leaning towards this happening. I think when they were looking to sort of circumvent athletic commissions and all the rest of it and go down the whole route of having it at the Tachi Palace in uh, in, in Limor, California, um, there were, you know, there was a noticeable pushback uh, from, from state governance. And eventually that put pressure on ESPN and then, and then it got pulled. But... Since that the world has changed in a very short space of time, because since then Donald Trump has gathered together virtually all of the major sporting commissioners um, from the major sports leagues in America, and um, has created this almost this this mini task force that he's going to use sport to help kickstart the uh, the U.S. economy. Now, that being the case, you can bet that Trump is going to do what he can within the bounds of what you can do to help grease the wheels as I said earlier and give these give these promotions and these leagues the opportunity to actually get things started and no one is further along in their plans to make that happen than the UFC and Dana White you know they've been they've been pushing the curve all the way through this and have had a lot of a lot of flack for it but I think now with when you've got a state like Florida where they are opening it up and I believe the um I believe the statement saying that WWE workers are essential workers. I don't think it was necessarily specific to WWE. I think it was a bit a slightly broader brush term than that. It might have been sports or sport entertainment or something like that. So that may well be able to encapsulate something like professional baseball, professional mixed martial arts or whatever. So we might find that Florida is the is the state of choice to uh, to maybe give some of these some of these sports a kickstart. And that's why I think there's a very good chance of this happening. Um, you know, there's always that whole fight island narrative, which I'm fascinated by. It's proper Enter the Dragon stuff. But, you know, we don't know where it is. We don't know quite how it's going to be kitted out or where it's going to be. But I don't think that's in play for this one. So um, I can only see if it's not going to be Vegas, and I don't think Vegas will be, you know, from a legal perspective, be ready uh, to host on May 9th. I think it probably has to be Florida. So 
with all that considered and the fact that there is already, you know, the door is cracked open, then I think it's going to happen. I think even money is quite good value, actually. I think even, I might have to go odds on. I'm talking myself out of it now. So, yeah, I think I think even money or maybe narrow, narrow odds on that uh, this is going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'd be surprised if they've gone to all these links again for it to then be uh, to then be scratched for a second time. That would be that would be pretty disastrous. And from a reputational standpoint, it'd be pretty damaging as well. Absolutely. But as things currently stand, May 9th, UFC 249, as of recording, we're, we're 18 days away. No doubt that, you know, in the coming days and weeks leading up to this event, there's going to be lots more twists and turns on this kind of road to this event in terms of hopefully a location and a venue being announced, um, more fights being solidified, maybe some fights being tweaked and changed depending on how fighters are able to kind of, you know, put together camps and, you know, there's always you know, the injury bug, you know, forget about a pandemic trying to figure out a camp, you know, you know, things can happen, you know, during fight week, during a weight cut, there's, you know, a whole host of things. But right now we've got a UFC fight to look forward to and that's pretty cool. It is, and it's worth mentioning. Uh, we had our first confirmed case of a uh, a major contracted fighter actually getting COVID nineteen. Uh, Lyman Good uh, was confirmed as uh, having having had the coronavirus. I believe he's sort of gone through the uh, through the life cycle of that virus now, and I believe he's he's now he's now clear, which is good to hear. Um, but yeah, he was the first the first uh, confirmed case. Before we move on from this, Sandu, it's, it's a hell of a fight card. Give us two fights. Give us a give us a, a a top name fight that you're particularly looking forward to, and give us an under the radar fight. I mean, you could almost perm any two from this card. It's it's an outstanding fight card if it, if it stays together. But I mean, give us a give, give us a big name fight and an under the radar fight that you're particularly looking forward to to checking out when it does actually happen. Yeah, no worries. And I think the big name fight that jumps off the page for me, outside of the ones that we've already mentioned, because like we've talked about, this is an absolutely stacked card. I don't think there's actually technically an under the radar uh, fight on there, you know, in, in those terms. But Donald Cerrone, Anthony Pettis, you talk about two legends of the sport, uh, two guys that have essentially fought the who's who. Their resumes are absolutely stacked, full of every big name in the 170 pound weight class 155 145 and so you know it's it's interesting because both these guys over the last you know couple of years especially have kind of alternated a lot of wins and losses um they both are getting towards the the latter part of their careers um don't know how many fights they have left on their contract i know i know that Cerrone signed a new contract before the McGregor fight i don't think it's the same case for Anthony Pettis uh, we ha- we have seen in the last you know twelve months his younger brother Sergio Pettis uh, fight out his UFC contract and then make the move to Bellator and and every interview I see with Anthony I, I keep kind of getting this um, you know you know my takeaway from his interviews are always he's just looking to maximize whatever value he has left in terms of his name in the sport and he wants big money fights so we'll see what the future holds but right now you know he, he does hold a win over Cerrone. It goes back to a UFC event back in 2013. So for Cerrone, it'll be great to kind of get that one back. Um, And, you know, these two guys, you know, it's interesting that this fight got announced on this card because I'm wondering if that is a fight that they were trying to potentially put together for Tachi Palace because obviously both guys fought for the WEC um, uh, whose home was Tachi Palace. And then in terms of an under-the-radar fight, I'm thinking perhaps Greg Hardy versus Jorgen De Castro. Um, now, 
and this is all about Greg Hardy because every time he's put, you know, in, in a co-main or a main card slot, he gets absolutely slaughtered uh, by a lot of people in the MMA community who, first of all, don't think that he should be fighting the UFC just given his past transgressions, uh, let alone um, a high enough spot on the card uh, just given his record. Um, and so the fact that he's kind of weaved into the mix of this absolutely stacked card is interesting. But at the same time, he is a Dana White favourite. You know, he did fight his way through the Contender Series. And we've, we've seen now, we've got a decent enough history on the Contender Series where if you do well there, Dana White's going to look after you. He's going to make sure that you're propelled and, and pushed into spotlight events and, and, and really, you know given an opportunity to shine in front of the biggest audience and biggest stage possible. And there's one thing that you can't deny, and that's if this event takes place, it will get a lot of eyeballs because everyone is thirsty, A, for sport, but particularly in the MMA community, everyone is thirsty for fights. This is the longest break we've had in terms of watching brand new events and brand new fights in the absolute years yeah. um so give it a few more weeks and i think we're all going to be kind of frothing from the mouth um uh, if everything kind of stays intact and, and stays together so so there's my kind of uh two picks for you si yeah no I'd, i wouldn't sleep on uh i wouldn't i wouldn't sleep on the uh, the mad titan either jorgen de castro has got some heavy hands he's unbeaten uh he's had uh He's had one fight in the UFC, and it was an absolute huge, it was a huge knockout of Justin Taffer um, at UFC 243. Massive, massive knockout power. Um, perhaps not as mobile as Greg Hardy. Perhaps not as athletic as Greg Hardy. But does he hit as hard as Greg Hardy? Oh yeah. So that one, that one's going to be a lot of fun. Interesting. I've I've been on a couple of live chats with uh, with King Mo. King Mo's an ATT coach these days, uh, as well as as well as. Uh, being a, a, a storied fighter with uh, you know Strike Force and, and Bellator and all the rest of it, and um, it's interesting because talking to him and I've asked him about you know if you were asked to coach people on 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 a fight on a fight like this you know what would your reaction be? And he, one of his first things he said was I'd want to make sure they haven't got asthma. Um, Greg Hardy famously famously uses an inhaler, um, so you know I, it's. It's it's an interesting one. I mean, given that it's part of this much bigger uh, news story, we haven't really heard a hell of a lot from or about Greg um, and uh, his inclusion on the card. But it is an interesting thing to look out for because if you do end up catching this COVID thing, it can it can absolutely cripple your lung capacity. I understand. So um, it's something that you know, if if he ended up catching it as a result of being on part of this card. Worst case scenario, well, not the worst case scenario, but um, certainly a bad case scenario would be that it could end his career. Um, you know, if you lose twenty percent of your lung capacity and you're competing in a sport like MMA, you know, especially as a heavyweight, um, you know, I don't think I don't think there's there's, there's too much hope for you really. So um, I hope that if he is competing, he competes healthy um, and that everything is okay and uh, everybody who's involved in the event from staff, fighters, officials, everybody involved is, uh, is is looked after appropriately. I'm sure they will be. Uh, and there's no ongoing uh, issues after the event. Yeah, and on that note, it kind of made me think back to the Amanda Nunes situation uh, and all the fighters, really, because 
the UFC are calling fighters and managers and asking them, hey, do you want to fight? And, and clearly there's a lot of fighters that do want to fight because this is how they make their money. Amanda Nunes is in a situation where she could say, actually, hold on a second. I don't have enough time to prepare for this fight. Uh, I don't have uh, the, the appropriate um, you know, facilities and training partners just due to the pandemic. But she's in a very unique situation. When you're a UFC champion and you've been defending your tile for as long as she has, you've kind of got a decent bank account <laughs> to rely upon you know, during times like this. Um, and that's the whole goal, isn't it? It's like when you fight in the UFC, the goal is to become UFC champion because that's when you really make the big money. That's when you get a slice on the back end. Uh, that's when you're kind of the marquee, uh, you, know, t- you know, fight on, on a card and things of that nature. Um, whereas everybody else, you're still trying to collect paychecks. Um, and so you've got a situation like even Tony Ferguson, you know, he, you know, when he fights, it would have been almost close to a year since his last fight, you know, and so you're put in a situation if you say no to a, a title opportunity now what does that mean for you you know at some point down the road so seeing which fighters accept fights don't accept fights or you know decide to kind of pull out for various reasons you, you just can't knock them at all um especially in in the current situation we're in uh but for the ones that have said yes and verbally agreed um and, and who knows you know maybe the ufc pull another rabbit out of the, out of the hat and can throw in a third title fight because that was the original plan is to come back with three title fights they're down to two which is still pretty fantastic but uh i think like i said before there's a lot of uh, twists and turns on the on the road to ufc 249 yeah and uh, there's bound to be bound to be more more as we lead in uh just over what are we talking about two weeks away three weeks away now we're not too far off so uh, that's the UFC. They are plowing forward with plans to uh, get the thing back on the road again. What about the other key players in the world MMA landscape? What's happening with the other big promotions? We've had some breaking news from two of them today, Sandu. Um, you're a former PFL employee. Why don't you Why don't you uh, lead us in with uh, what's going on with the PFL, and then I'll bring us up to date with what's happening with uh, with Bellator. Yeah, absolutely. So PFL yesterday decided uh, via Brett Okamoto and then through a wider press release to reschedule is what they've called it. You can call it cancel. You can call it postponed. They've decided to call it a reschedule of their 2020 season to 2021. Um, And so it's still going to air on ESPN in the States. Uh, Just going to be moving forward a year. Uh, and, uh, And I guess PFL are in a very different situation compared to other MMA promotions. They do have a smaller roster, but once the season starts, you have to stick to that schedule to make it fair for all the fighters competing in their format. And as a reminder to everyone, they have a a regular season. So week one, week two, week three, week four, week five, week six. Then you have playoffs where you fight twice and and try and win twice in the same night to advance to the championship event which does take place on new year's eve which is always the highest rated event of the year so you know i completely agree with them in terms of the decision they've made to move things forward 
2021. Um, and I think they're a small and nimble enough unit to be able to make a decision like that. But going back to their roster, it's a global roster. They have fighters from all over Europe and, and Asia, South America, North America. Uh, and once again, to be able to kind of have everyone come in on a fixed schedule where you don't know what you're going to be able to do in terms of the legal side of things, the government side of things, venue. It, it, it was just like, of course, they were going to you know move things around. Now, in addition to that, one really cool bit of news that they announced along with the reschedule of, of the season was they're giving every fighter currently contracted a stipend. Um, so I don't know how much that is. I don't know how much each fighter is getting. I'm sure fighters will leak that information out to some journalists. But regardless, that is fantastic news. Because I think if you're a fighter for the PFL, look, you're not making the kind of money, I suppose, a UFC champion's making. Um, but not being able to compete for a year does mean that you're you're going to need something and the, and the PFL are looking after them. Um, so hopefully it's good enough for them to kind of get by um through the next 12 months i guess um and I'm, and I'm sure the pfl back office staff will be able to take some more time and and think about how they want to roll out the the season it just gives them more time to be a little bit more calculated and be a bit more i guess innovative um with how they present the the season next year but um that's you know pretty interesting news i mean this is affecting the entire industry the entire sport in very different ways um and on that note uh, like you said, Simon, Bellator um, also announced some some interesting news with regards to their schedule. Take it away. They did, yeah. Literally, probably about half an hour before we uh, before we hit record on this podcast, they've issued a statement, uh, an official press release. Due to the ongoing safety concerns surrounding the COVID nineteen outbreak, as well as current federal, state, and local government mandates, Bellator MMA officials today have announced that Bellator two forty four originally scheduled to take place on June the 6th in Chicago, has been postponed. So they've put that one back. They're going to monitor the situation closely, the uh, the statement continues, and they fully intend to reschedule the event as soon as possible. And they then go on to uh, explain what you would expect, where they say the health and safety of the athletes, fans, staff, partners, all the rest of it, is their top priority. Um, it's been very interesting watching how, how the different promotions have all had to approach this. Um, no two promotions are made quite the same. They're run by very different people, very different ethoses in some cases, and they have different business models. I mean, the PFL is the perfect example of this. Um, small roster, but the the thing with the PFL, their entire selling point is the season, isn't it? It's it's the fact that it is different. Um, just coming back and holding a couple of events isn't really going to cut the mustard for them because where's the value in that? Why? What? What's going to make people tune in and watch it? Other than the fact that it's just live sport and we're all gagging for some live sport, but the you know the fights don't count for anything unless they mean something, and that's 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 the the battle that every fight promoter in every fight sport faces on a daily basis. Make people care about the fights, and the thing about the PFL, every fight counted, um, every fight counted. There were points at stake to get them to the top of the standings, get into the playoffs, and then it's knockout knockout time and. Uh, you go through but if you can't if you can't finish it's pointless starting so it was it was one of those where once they realized they, they couldn't do it then postponing it was really all they could do the other thing of course is with the ufc coming back and they're still talking about holding 42 events this year so do the ufc 
There are, now, I'm no mathematician, but there are not 42 weeks left in 2020. We're going to have some midweek fight shows. So it may well be, because the UFC and the PFL share the same broadcast partner in ESPN, that that might have been another factor in, in the PFL having to maybe having to take a step back because perhaps the UFC are going to be holding some, some, uh, some midweek events and they might be taking up some of the, uh, some of the slots. Even if the events did start up again, the UFC events may be considered by ESPN to be more valuable, take precedent, and that, that scuppers any idea that the PFL may have had for coming back anyway. So maybe keeping their powder dry, holding things till 2021 is the safe bet. The big question, of course, is are they going to do two seasons in 2021? Are we going to have one at the start of the year and maybe have a summer, have a summer finale, and then have the second half of the season towards the back end of 2021? Keep everything rolling um, and go from there. But um, yeah, I, I mean, the fact they're getting, you know, they're paying their fighters is 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 is, a, is an outstanding gesture. I think I think that's really good. And I don't know where that money's coming from though. That's that's the thing. I mean, you know, I I would imagine the PFL are a pretty tight ship in terms of the financial side of things. They've not been up and running that long. I know they were the World Series of Fighting officially, um, but. Um, I would imagine that they're quite lean in terms of how it's all put together. So where that money's coming from, I'm not too sure. The only other promotion to mention uh, is is One Championship. I've I spoke to a lot of Bellator fighters over the last two weeks, but I've also spoken to a lot of One Championship fighters over the last last few days, actually. Um, and um, I know that, in theory, they were looking at an event towards the end of May. Um, but I think the general feeling is that that might be overly overly optimistic and the uh, the next or the you know the next big one championship event maybe pushed back into sort of june time maybe even july time depending on what sort of restrictions are happening over there in asia but it sounds like they're kind of ready to go and i think they just need the they need the clearance from from whether it be the singapore government or wherever for it to happen so the ufc are clearly itching to get started one championship i think are not too far away from getting started as well PFL on a holding pattern. You can bet Cage Warriors will be up and running as soon as the UK government lifts restrictions, but I think we're a good few months away from that right now. But touch wood, Sandu, we could be in for a few a few fight nights, maybe as soon as as soon as next month. And if we get one a month, then I, I, w- I would consider that a win. If we had one a month for the rest of 2020, um, I think that would be enough to keep everybody happy. Um, but you never know; things might suddenly start to take off. Who knows? Yeah, and the only kind of you know asterisks left to kind of uh, discuss when it comes to all of these promotions is we'll at some point get some more information with regards to how they are logistically putting these events together. You know what health and safety measures they're taking because that is still at the forefront of everyone's minds. You know, we are still in the middle of a pandemic, um, so like I said, th- there's going to be a lot of more information that's going to start rolling out in the coming days and weeks uh, just to figure out where and when and how and so many questions um, that everyone's going to have um, the closer we kind of get to all of these events but especially the UFC um, in in a couple of weeks time now that's all the promotions kind of wrapped up Simon Uh, but I guess when I kind of think back to the last seven days and uh, what what was the perhaps the big uh, fight story or fighter story we had some good back and forth uh, between John Jones, the the UFC light heavyweight champion, with uh, with Dominic Reyes and uh, Jan Blahovic, 
and and essentially the kind of back and forth ultimately you know concluded with John Jones essentially saying in no uncertain words that he's probably more inclined and interested in fighting Jan Blahovic than he is Dominic Reyes. Um, so I guess as you were kind of digesting the back and forth and, and where it kind of ultimately ended being the European half of the show here, Simon, what did you, what did you take away from that back and forth exchange? It depends on your thoughts on, on John Jones's position, doesn't it? I mean, if we're talking from a purely uh, meritocratic standpoint here, um, Jan, Jan Blahovic has earned his spot and deserves his shot. Okay, so I don't. I think he he might not be the most fashionable light heavyweight in the UFC, but he's done he's done what he's needed to do to put himself in a position to challenge for the belt. So that needs to be said. However, Dominic Reyes came that close to to uh, to beating John Jones. It was a super close fight, and uh, some people scored the fight in Reyes's favor, and uh, you know it was one of those where. I thought Dominic Reyes had won the fight. I've got to be honest with you. I came away thinking Dominic Reyes won that fight and I was a bit surprised when when Jones got the decision. Um, now, when you get a fight that close, I think I think it demands a rematch. And we had a super close fight a few years back when John Jones took on Alexander Gustafsson and that demanded a rematch. And Jones basically kind of stepped back from it a little bit and then the whole rivalry with Daniel Cormier uh, started to bubble up and things things kicked off from there and, and we didn't see that that um, Jones-Gustafson rematch until probably it was too late really um, you know I think if we'd have had an immediate rematch that would have been that would have been huge um, I don't I don't think the UFC should let that happen again I think Dom Reyes needs to be the guy back in there I love Jan Blahovic uh, he's, he's great fun to chat to he's always He's always been uh, he's always been great whenever I've grabbed him on a media day and stuff, and I've spoken to him loads of times doing the European circuit uh, with the UFC over the years, and I do think he deserves a shot at the belt. But I also think that that John Jones Dom Reyes fight, we didn't get a conclusive a conclusive winner out of that, in my opinion, um, and I think uh, I think Reyes really needs to be the guy to get back in now. Now, the whole thing with Jones Sandu is. Of course he's talking up Jan Blachowicz. Of course he is. Do, do, if you're John Jones and you fa- you faced a guy who pushed you to the absolute limit, do you want to be facing him again with some sort of half-baked training camp where you know, you know, the first part of it you're going to have to do in isolation before you can get in a gym and train properly again? Of course not. You know, you're going to you're going to need a full a full-length training camp with the entire access to the you know the Jackson Wink team and the whole thing because you go in there again he needs to make sure that he wins it and wins it decisively um but um yeah i i also probably think he thinks that Yan is the easier fight i would imagine um but i think i think the Reyes fight has to be first but then Yan undoubtedly is next that would be my that would be my uh my approach to it what about you yeah, I completely agree. Uh, first of all, I scored it for Reyes, same as you. Uh, number two, I think it's the bigger fight. I think that sells way more on pay-per-view um, than it than the, the Jan Blahovic fight does. Um, number three, um, I think just logistically, if you think about geography and, you know, Jan's in Poland, 
Um, so I'm not too sure what the, the travel restrictions are with him being based in Poland. You've got Dominic Reyes in California and you've got John Jones in New Mexico. That's They're basically neighboring each other. They could literally drive <laughs> uh, to, a, to a venue in a couple of months, uh, meet in the middle somewhere, like Apache Palace or something, or maybe the Apex, um, and fight there. Um, and, you know, I love a Twitter poll. I, I love throwing out polls on Twitter and I carried one out actually, Simon, uh, and I asked the fans, um, who do you want to see John Jones fight next? Do you want to see him fight, you know, Jan Blahovic or Dominic Reyes? 5,964 votes. So just a, sh- just a couple of shades away from 6,000 votes and 59% voted Dominic Reyes with 41% picking Jan Blahovic. So from the fans' point of view, that's the fight. That they 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 want, um, but also I think what John Jones is doing by even dropping uh, Jan Blahovic's name is uh, kind of needling D- Dominic Reyes a little bit, you know, just saying, "Oh, I'm not even thinking about you, son. You know, I- I've moved on. I-, I beat you. You know, according to the judges, I beat you, and, I- and I'm good, and I can move on." Um, and to be fair, look, even if if Jones and Reyes, you know, do rematch sooner rather than later, history has shown that. Jones does pretty damn good in rematches anyway, is, so I'm yeah. sure I'm sure he'll take a lot of you know away from that fight and and do his homework and a lot of studying as will the Jackson Wink camp. At the same time, I'm also interested in how does Reyes react to the the, the fight a second time? You know, uh, I mean, overall the rematch is so much more compelling, so much you know, there's so much going into that fight emotionally, storylines, drama. Um, you know, uh, yeah, it's just there's so much more, a much bigger appetite for the rematch than there is for the Jan Blahovic fight. So, um, yeah, I'd love to kind of, you know, see that rematch sooner rather than later. But listen, I love Jan too. You know, as someone that worked the European circuit with you, Simon, Jan's a good bloke. Uh, and, you know, I'll give him credit. You know, his English at the beginning wasn't great, but he has over the years started to improve his English, which, you know, helps a lot in terms of getting more stories out and conducting more interviews, especially with uh, the folks based out, um, you know, over here in North America and conducting interviews. So, so good on him. And also uh, I have to give him credit for, you know, playing along with John Jones on social media. Although I think perhaps um, the fact that he said he wanted to fist John Jones may have uh, been taken the wrong way, to put it lightly, say. Si. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that was lost in translation. Otherwise, Yan has a dark side that we didn't know about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to explore that. Thank you very much. We'll still we'll still well clear of that. But um the other the other thing I I would love to obviously you know the fact that all the fights are currently on hold at the minute this stops the one thing that I really want to see with uh, with John Jones. Eventually I want to see John Jones at heavyweight. That's what I'm really looking forward to seeing. I do think there's a little bit of unfinished business. I think if he deals with Dominic Reyes and then Jan Blahovic I think really he can consider the division cleared out pretty much. Um, he'll have faced and beaten pretty much everybody um, at 2.05. Um, and then there's not much else for him to do. And I'd like to see him move up. And, uh, you know, John Jones versus Stipe would be uh, would be a very interesting fight. But there's other interesting fights. John Jones versus Francis Ngannou would be kind of interesting to watch as well. Um, so, yeah, there's 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 options for him. I think he's, he's certainly not going to be shy of uh, potential dance partners in the next 12 to 24 months. Also, I'm not 100% sure you mentioned the whole flying over for the Fight Island thing. If Fight Island is nearer Europe, I don't know what the situation is with John Jones's travel right now. Right. Um, 
is he not, I think he's technically on a on under some sort of probationary order right now and that may well mean he can't leave the country anyway so the people would have to come to him I would assume um but um yeah I don't think he's going to have a problem getting a fight I would like to see Dom Reyes and maybe that's one that they line up for the summer um I think that would probably work out quite well timeline wise but um that's kind of fight talk done um we're still locked down. You guys out there are still locked down. I hope you're all staying safe out there, socially distancing, um, washing your hands, doing all that sort of stuff, um, taking advantage of the supermarket deliveries. If you can get a flipping delivery slot, my God. Sandu, trying to get a supermarket delivery slot is, you know, it's like trying to find, it's like trying to find a golden ticket. It's, it's really? like the old Wonka bar golden ticket situation. Um, my, my my parents have mastered the art of getting delivery orders and all the rest of it, and they just they just drive around to I, I I fill the order up. They drive around to my house, ring the doorbell, and just leave all the bags outside the front of the house. And uh, yeah, it's great because taking my kids anywhere is just a non-starter. It would just be just disaster. But yeah, we're all under lockdown. We're all trying to trying to get by. I spoke to Sage Northcut today. He's building mechanical models and doing push-ups. That's basically what he's doing. <laughs> um, um, it's hard not to have a chat with him and not come away grinning. And uh, that's exactly what happened today. But um, you'd be—I think you spoke to me about this uh, this Netflix Michael Jordan thing. I'll be honest. Yes. I have yet to sign up to Netflix. Although my my daughter, we've got a Netflix button on the remote control of our telly. So my 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 youngest <laughs> yeah. daughter is two. Uh, probably unintentionally keeps repeatedly trying to sign me up to Netflix. I get the little, you've tried to sign up, but you haven't quite made it yet emails. Um, and that's her just trying to sign us up to Netflix uh, via the remote control. Haven't done it yet. Um, so I haven't seen the last dance. How good is it? Does it live up to the hype? And uh, do I need to be, do I need to be pulling my finger out and, and signing up today? Well, first of all, it definitely does. Uh, they dropped the first two episodes uh, on Sunday evening, Sunday night on ESPN. And then as of Monday, at the stroke of midnight, it was available worldwide on Netflix. Right. Uh, and I'd say that if you haven't signed up for Netflix, give it four more weeks, right? Sign up for the free trial and then binge watch all 10 episodes of The Last Dance. That might be a, a good trick for you to kind of pull there. But um, it, it, it is, honestly, I love sports documentaries anyway. Um, and, it, you know, from a, a music, from imagery, the archived footage, fresh, brand new interviews, and the way it's all stitched together, it's very compelling. It's, it's, it's very enjoyable. And also, it's kind of the first time in a while where, especially in this part of the world, it felt like for the first time in a long time, a lot of people came together for appointment viewing. This isn't something that, oh, it's on, you know, Amazon or check out this Tiger King documentary on Netflix and everyone's kind of absorbing it and digesting it in their own time. This was right. Sunday night, nine o'clock ESPN. Now, I don't have ESPN. It's not available in Canada, but I do have the Internet. So I figured out a way to watch it along with the rest of America. VPN. It was... Yep, it was uh, it was the number one worldwide trend, and I think twenty odd of the top thirty worldwide trends on Twitter was all in relation to this documentary. And then when I saw the reports of the um, the ratings, it was like the highest viewed or highest rated original content uh, programming on ESPN since I think two thousand three two thousand four, which is bonkers. Um, so it just goes to show a the impact. Jordan has the Chicago Bills, the way 
they've kind of marketed and, and kind of advertised this kind of amazing never before seen um, footage and so if anyone hasn't seen it I'd highly recommend checking it out definitely go out of your way it's uh, on Netflix right now or at least episodes one and two are and um, yeah I'm looking forward like you know that that's that's the next four Sundays now with the remaining episodes locked in Sunday night for the next four weeks I know exactly what I'm doing sitting in front of the telly and uh and I'm watching this amazing sports documentary so yeah it's great awesome awesome the thing that I'm watching uh it's the second season of this and I don't know I don't know whether you get much BBC stuff over over there in Canada or whether the guys in the states get it I, they do get some stuff uh it's a series called Race Across the World which is my favorite thing on TV right now we're on the second the second season of it um, to explain the premise, if you've seen The Greatest Race, it's a bit like that. So um, basically what it is, it's five team, five teams of uh, Brits, teams of two. They're either couples or brother and sister or two friends or whatever. Um, and what they do in the, first, in the first season, they started out from London and they had to travel from London to Singapore, which is the furthest point, the furthest major city from London for the cost of the airfare without flying but they didn't have any other money no bank cards no mobile phones nothing they i think they were given a map and a gps uh tracking device and that's it off you go and they gave you check and, and each episode they had a checkpoint they had to get to and they might not have known where it was what country it was in so they didn't have to find that out and then the budget is literally the the, uh, the price of the airfare and if they're running low on budget, they're going to have to go and get a part-time job and make up the money to do it. So that was outstanding. The first season of that was great. So that was London to Singapore. The second season is Mexico City to, I think it's the southernmost city in Argentina. Um, and that's that's pretty much 20 hours as well, but north to south. Um, and uh, same premise again, but you're going through, you're going through uh, South America and uh it's outstanding it's great tv i love it um i think we're about to have the last episode of season two is coming up this coming sunday so um if you can get i don't know if you can get iplayer over there or you can wangle your way to get iplayer over there um get on bbc iplayer the first season's outstanding second season's really good as well so that's what i'm watching but i'm listening to loads of podcasts as well and i don't listen to many mma ones weirdly because i'm kind of in, entrenched in mma all day anyway so my favourite podcast is the Rewatchable Sandu. You would love it. It's from the Ringer. There's a, a website in the states called the Ringer, which is run by Bill Simmons, who uh, was he's a very famous sports writer in the states. He used to write for ESPN, um, and uh, they basically rewatch classic movies, uh, and then sit down and do a podcast about it and talk about the you know the uh, everything that went into making the film. What would have happened if different people had been cast based on who they who had been approached beforehand? They talk about who stole the show, who stole the movie, and all that. It's 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 a, it's a really really good film. So if you love all your, it's got I'm, I thought like they've done Top Gun, they've done The Firm, they've done Goodfellas, uh, they did The Karate Kid a couple of weeks ago. I think they did Basic Instinct last week. I haven't listened to that one yet, um, but they're all outstanding. I can't recommend it high enough. And I listen to NFL stuff as well. And the other thing, I'm doing a podcast with you, but you're not the only person I'm doing a podcast with, Sandu. I feel cheated on. I'm doing a podcast with my eight-year-old daughter. Nice. I'm doing a podcast. Uh, my daughter, Alicia, is eight. She's autistic. And uh, 
being stuck indoors is really hard for her. She struggles with uh, transitions, changes to routine. So you can imagine how this would have been when all of this uh, stay indoors, uh, self-isolation stuff kicked in. And when we did it, we were only going to be doing it for seven days. And then that extended to 14 days. And then it's just carried on and on and on. And we're like in week five or week six or something now. Um, so what we decided we would do is we would go out normally first thing in the morning. Um, so she'd come in and wake me up at some ungodly hour and then uh, have a bit of breakfast. And then we'll go out and we'll just we'll just walk around our, our, our little village where we live. Take a little voice recorder and uh, we'll record a little podcast. And it's basically a chance for Elisa to just, to just spout and uh talk about her favorite things so we try and do top fives and stuff and it's just good for her and uh she loves it so uh it's awesome it's it's called alicia and dad and it's available on all good podcasting platforms (laughs) i'll make sure to subscribe oh yeah you'll be you'll be at least the second person to subscribe so (laughs) but it's it's not really for that it's you know it's just the process of getting out and uh Sure. You know, building 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 a better relationship with her as well, which is which is always good. So that's that's the, yeah. that's the other thing I'm doing. Absolutely. And I tell you what, going back to your your recommendation, the rewatchables, I actually have listened to an episode of that on a road trip back from Bristol, Connecticut, ESPN headquarters to New York. Um I was riding shotgun with our good friend New York Rick. And uh, he slapped on an episode of The Rewatchables where they were kind of dissecting the Fast and the Furious franchise. Um, and so that was a good that was a good time. Uh, and that, you've actually reminded me, I actually should uh, subscribe because I'm a big movie buff. And I think that podcast is right up my street. And the other thing I forgot to mention earlier when we were talking about or when I was talking about The Last Dance is its director and how the director has actually got roots in our fight community. So Jason Hare, who, no household name, but he actually produced the original two prime times. So this is the prime time for Mayweather Hatton. And there was another one. There was one prior to Mayweather Hatton. I think it might have been Mayweather De La Hoya. Yeah, it was Oscar De La Hoya versus... Floyd Mayweather, the the original, the very first, 24-7. Yeah. And then the one for Mayweather Hatton. And I remember the Hatton one a little bit more vividly, only because that was our guy, yeah. right? That was our British hope of becoming the biggest boxing superstar in the world by knocking out Floyd Mayweather. Um, and then he actually transitioned and the UFC picked him up. And he did a bunch actually he did, he did he did all the ufc primetime episodes that was his baby mm. before the kind of ufc kind of i guess took that you know concept and then kind of changed it into what's now known as ufc countdown which they kind of produce in-house um but yeah he did all the classics mate like um jones evans diaz conde uh velasquez you know george st pierre bj penn that it was that was all him um, he also produced the um, and directed the Andre the Giant documentary, um, which came out a couple of years ago. So this guy, he knows sports. He's got roots in the fight community. So there you go. There's another reason if you wanted, if now that perhaps if you're listening to the podcast and you're starting to get a little bit more familiar with this guy's prior work and his resume, it might give you the impetus to actually check out The Last Dance a little bit more. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I do need to do that. I mean, you mentioned about getting the free trial. 
that is exactly what I'm going to do. I I had ne- <laughs> I had Netflix before, uh, but my wife hasn't. So so that's that's how that's going to happen. But um, yeah, I used to watch Designated Survivor. I used to love that. I haven't watched the the latest season of it. I think I've only seen the first the first season of it or the, the first two seasons of it. Um, Kiefer Sutherland. It's ab- if you've not seen it, then check that out as well. That is one that that was one of my favourite things on TV when uh, when that first came out. So that's another reason to uh, pull my finger out and get back onto Netflix as well. But enough Netflix chat. Otherwise, we won't get chance to sit down and watch Netflix. So. Um, it's probably best best we uh, we sort of wrap things up a little bit. We live on the on the internet at thebritpack.substack.com. Um, that is where all of our content lives. Um, if you subscribe uh, to the show, get on the list. Um, you just put your email in. You can look at the website without subscribing, but if you subscribe, then we will push. Uh, our show straight into your inbox every time we have a new one it's the fastest way to get the show i know um apple can be notoriously slow to update at times google can sometimes be a bit slow spotify seems to be on the ball though they seem to update things really fast um but if you want if you want to get things as fast as possible um you can also go straight to your preferred podcast player from the email as well i noticed that the other day there's actually a link there's an embedded player and then under that you can click on that and that will take you to whatever app you might have on your phone whether it's pocket Casts or or breaker or one of the other one of the other podcast players that you might have um and obviously if we put out any other updates we won't spam you with updates so don't worry about that um it'll only be if it's something massive um that that, that we put something out that isn't a show um and uh, obviously you'll be the first people to get that as well. So if you want to be on the ball and be the first people to get the show, that is the way to do it. And the other great thing is we know who, you, you know, we actually know who's listening, which is great. You know, we'll, we'll know who we're talking to. And uh, over time, we'll be able to rope you guys in and get you involved. Um, that's not the only way to get the show, Sandu. No, it's not. While we'd love for everyone to subscribe via our Substack, you can still do it the old fashioned way. Go directly to your preferred podcast player, whether you're on Apple, Google Play Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other host of Android third-party apps, which is actually what I use. I'm an Android guy. It's it's available. It's available anywhere and everywhere, essentially. Uh, And if you are specifically Apple users, we would absolutely love it. If you found our podcast, well, obviously, if you're listening on Apple, you would have already found it, but go... Give us a rating, love a five star, uh, drop a review because that actually helps us immensely. It's how kind of Apple's algorithm works in terms of propping up podcasts, promoting podcasts. And we actually got a flurry of, uh, of reviews over the past week. And maybe starting next week, Simon, we can read a few of them out and uh, greatly appreciate for you know anyone that did actually do that. Um, just kind of going to get us off the ground with our first show in, in three years. And uh, yeah, tell a friend and, you know, help us blow this thing up and spread the word and uh, and hopefully we can get our and our listener numbers up and uh, and who knows where we can take this thing this time around. The other thing about it is those reviews, I think, had a, had a difference already because I had a little look on, on Apple just to see I, how we were being listed or if we were being listed. The, the way to categorize that show is we are categorized as a wrestling podcast because they don't have an MMA section. And wrestling, I think, was our was was our other our other criteria that we put in there. So we're listed as a wrestling podcast, and 
based on the listing that I got, bear in mind I'm in the UK, so the listing may be different to wherever you guys are listening, but we were like the 30th, 30th on the list. I don't know if that's an active chart or, or whatever, but we were 30th in wrestling podcasts on the UK uh, Apple Podcast Store, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not expecting this to shoot to number one and start challenging Joe Rogan and all that sort of stuff. But it is kind of cool that we're at least appearing, so we might get some organic traffic that way as well. And your reviews really help that. So the more cool reviews we get, the more five-star ratings we get, the more shine we'll get from the likes of Apple, the more likely uh, it is that we'll get featured and we can help to grow this thing uh, with a little bit of help from our friends out there in uh, in the Twitter sphere and on uh, on the internet. So uh, greatly appreciate all of those reviews. Thank you so much if you've already been on and uh, and done that. And uh, you can hit us up on social media as well, Sandu. Yeah, uh, I'm at Sandu MMA on, on Instagram as well as Twitter. Simon, you are at Simon Head on Twitter and Simon Head Sport on Instagram. And also don't forget to check out all of Simon's stuff on MMA Junkie and RT Sport and, and all the rest of it. Fantastic work. And you are, mate, you are an absolute workhorse. I don't know if anybody works for as many outlets and does as many hours and, and produces as much uh, content and, 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 and articles and stories as you do. You're an absolute machine, mate. I appreciate it, man. appreciate it. It's, it's what keeps the roof on our head and the wolf from the door. So uh, it's, it's what we do. And uh, yeah, and watch out for the... Uh, so, you're, so, so you're running BT Sport or you're involved in BT Sport UFC, BT Sport WWE... And you've got a, a finger in the pie of BT Sport boxing on on social. Is that right? Have, have, have I got that yeah. right? Basically, yeah. And had it not been for this pandemic, I was going to get involved with um, the football um, account as well by th- you know, helping provide some coverage on the uh, the Premier League and Champions League. And so they're kind of slowly kind of integrating me into, I guess, the general sports team. Although my kind of preferred kind of area and vertical is always going to be the UFC account, yeah. you know, second only to the WWE account, where those are the two main ones where I've been kind of making my major contributions over the last couple of months. But um, we need some support first, Si, before we can start to kind of produce some original content and coverage and all that, all the rest of it. So uh, the sooner the sports gets back to, to normal, then uh, the busier I will be. Absolutely, yeah. We've got to walk before we can run. And uh, two other people that I think we need to name check... Um, James Culverhouse is a graphic designer. Um, hit us up completely out of the blue today um, with uh, a very slick-looking animated version of the Britpat logo. Of uh, he's at James CDZN on Instagram and Twitter. Um, he's done some cool stuff, actually, some sort of concept-based stuff. Um, I think he did he did uh, a concept thing for using the MacLife brand as well. So uh, get on his Instagram and uh, give him a follow. Um, also. Shout out to uh, Boss Logic, who, if you're anything involved with uh, mixed martial arts online, you will be very well aware of Boss Logic's work. Uh, and it was him who actually put the original Britpat logo together for us. Um, so uh, always very, very grateful to him for that. So a big shout out to him as well. Um, that's pretty much all we've got on uh, on on our second second return episode of the Britpat. Check out the website, thebritpat.substat.com. Uh, if you really want to check out some of our old stuff and hear just how terrible we were when we started, then they're all there as well. We might even dredge a few a few classic moments uh, out of the archives in the weeks to come. But 
Until next time, stay safe. We'll speak to you again soon.